Hello, everybody. Welcome back to How Come. This episode is all about ADHD and sex, how it affects sex, how it affects relationships, how it affects life in general. But holy shit, I am so excited for you to hear this episode. Unfortunately, it is late because of ADHD and sex, Um, but it's fine because it's here and it's amazing. And we are going to be talking to Dr. Ari Tuckman, who is a psychologist and certified sex therapist. His fourth book is ADHD After Dark, Better Sex Life, Better Relationship. He was actually referred to us by our companion, Hillary. So shout out to Hillary. Thank you so much. This conversation is so great. We also have a fantastic congratulations with a companion named Rachel. Both of these uh, parts of the recording are heavily edited, heavily, heavily, because we had to remove so much stuff that is not really for public. It's going to stay private. And by private, I mean on patreon.com slash how come. So if you want to hear more from these interviews, go to patreon.com slash how come. Everything there is only $5, all inclusive. You will love it. And while you're on patreon.com slash how come, there are already two other episodes that we've recorded and I just haven't edited yet due to ADHD. One of them is with No Budget Babe. We are learning how to become financially independent, how to invest, how to really make the most of the money that you already have and make more. And another episode with my brother, yay, Jason Casimir. Um, we're talking about concert culture, the tragedy that happened at Astro World with Travis Scott's concert, how it could have been prevented, who's to blame, and how do we go forward enjoying concerts when stuff like this happened? highly recommend those episodes. They will be coming out on your player. But again, everything is $5 all inclusive on patreon.com slash outcome. So first we are going to hear from our companion, Rachel, and then we are going to hear from Dr. Ari Tuckman about ADHD relationships and sex. I hope you guys like this episode. And if you do rate, review and subscribe on your podcast players. We know we never ask you to do this, but you should do it. It'll pump us up and we love to be pumped up plugged up and all that good stuff. So, so excited for you to hear this episode. First, we'll hear from Rachel and then Dr. Tuckman. How come? How come? How come I can't achieve? How come I can't achieve? I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Oh, baby, I believe these guests can help. Because I can't do it by myself. I want to just... Before we get this episode started, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. I am going to be doing a headlining set, my first headlining set ever, oh my God, at Stand Up New York on December 2nd, 8 p.m. That's in New York City. And uh, we only have 35 tickets sold right now of 120. So it's either going to be a very intimate crowd where I can say hi to all of you and just love you up um, or will sell out and then I'll look good to the club and good to other places. And then I can get this tour on the road. Um, I think I will still stay behind for those of you. If it does sell out, I still like to say hi and do all that stuff. So please come. It would be a huge help. Even if you're not in New York, refer your friend, tell them to come so that I can come soon to a town near you. Because unfortunately in this business, it's all about proof of concept and, um, yeah, I think it would be fun to sell this shit out. And I'm really excited. And I wrote a song for it and Dylan Adler's opening and Riley Lassen too, two of our favorites. So you guys go to the link in my bio at Remy Casimir on Instagram or easy. It's down in the show notes right here. Scroll down, get your tickets, get ready to see me. It will be so fun. Um, it is uh, Remy Casimir headline stand up New York, December 2nd, 8 p.m. It's going to be so fun. And I can't wait to see you guys there. 
And final thing before this um, recording with Rachel, trigger warning, there is assault mentioned, um, sexual assault, and take care of yourself if you're not ready to listen, but it is a very triumphant story. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm good. This is so exciting. I feel like I've known you guys forever, you know, like we're friends already. We've been messaging too for like a while, I feel. Yeah. Do you mind if we call you by your name? Yeah. Can you just use my first name? So yeah. I'm a pastor yeah. and people at my church would probably not like this very much. Iconic. I'm dying. <laughs> this started so well. Um, well, welcome, Rachel. Hi. We're so happy to have you here. I'm so excited. So do you want to just go ahead and tell us your congrats story? Yeah. I, I don't know if you should put like a trigger warning on this. Um, I was like sexually assaulted when I was like I'm so sorry. 15. And so from like that point forward, I had like no feeling in my body from like my thighs, like up to like my belly. Like I could like pinch myself and I wouldn't feel anything. Whoa. Um, so when I like started to like do practices to like help heal my body, I could enjoy mm-hmm. sex one day. Um, basically the, I trained with this woman for like 10 months and she was like, nothing's off limits. So it was really nice to have permission to just like mm. try. Um, so I what what kind of um, professional was she? Um, she is like I'm not really sure what her credentials would technically be, okay. but she is like a sex and relationship coach. She's not a therapist, okay? But yeah, so I did this like ten month long women's circle. That's what she called it, and mm-hmm. like it was it ranged from everything, just like breath work to any kind of practices that you would want to try and mm-hmm. you know I wanted to be normal again and actually like enjoy sex with partners and not just do it by myself yeah. forever so I was willing to try whatever um so she, how old were you when you were doing this I was 21 and I'm 26 now okay and what were you doing in the time like after the assault, thing, like 21. were you in therapy or anything? Um, I actually didn't go to therapy until I was like okay. 20. Um, I was uh, like in the relationship for a really long time. And like, you know, it was with somebody you were in a relationship with. Yeah. It, I'm sorry. It's okay. It, it's really like normal to me now. And like, it's not okay. It's not okay. And, but you know, it becomes very like normalized. Me. I am um, not to steer away from you, but this is something that I've actually been reckoning with in a relationship that I had. Um, and I used to be like, oh, it's not assault because we were dating, but it's like, it, it was, yeah. and it almost makes it worse because that person is supposed to care for you. Yeah, for sure. And you know, yeah, the boundaries of consent really aren't blurry, but we, we like to try to make them blurry. Um, yeah, but yeah. Thankfully, like, and so you stayed, yeah, good. No, so you stayed together for how long? Like five years, like all through high school, like mm-hmm. into college. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, my like, my relationship with sex and stuff has always been very scary, a lot like it, there's not a lot yeah. of trust. Um, yeah, which also makes the story like even better because I've never had an orgasm with a partner until this boyfriend. Like I haven't done a lot of things until I was with this boyfriend because this new one. Yeah. yeah. So we like very much trust each other and, you know, everything's on the I'm table obsessed. now, which is 
amazing because everything, everything, yeah. all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you you had mentioned that you had been able to have orgasms by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of the practices I did were just like to get feeling back, and then mm-hmm. once that happened, it was just kind of like the floodgates opened. Like Fun. it didn't matter whether it was penetration, just using you know a clit sucking vibrator, which is my fave. Thank you for the recommendation. That the best. You guys, You're so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I could have all kinds of orgasms. So that was all alone though. So once I started mm-hmm. dating this guy, I was like, here's the situation. Here's, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen. So mm-hmm. like, let's like not make that a priority. Like just enjoy it. Like compersion's a big thing for me. So as long as you're having fun, like I'm going to like it. And then the very mm-hmm. first time we had sex, I had an orgasm. So I was like, okay, cool. This is, this is different. This is great. Yeah. And was, did you, had you told him about your history? Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. yeah. Okay. I told him like all about it, mostly because there's so many like little triggers that I've noticed in other guys that I've dated. So I just kind of wanted to give him like yeah. a heads up, like, hey, there's just like something yeah. that I can't do or even like think about doing. So Mm-hmm. If that's a problem, you know, we should maybe talk about it. Mm-hmm. And he was sensitive to it. Yeah. Um, he was actually married and she had an affair. So they got Ooh. a divorce. So, okay. you know, like relational things have to be talked about when that's the situation. So right. we already had like very open communication. Open communication opens up the floodgates. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you guys started dating how long ago? Um, like four months ago. Cool. Okay. So in four months, we've had the first time you had sex, your first orgasm with another person. Yeah. Congratulations for that. Thank you. <laughs> also, congrats on just taking care of yourself and getting the feeling back and like... Yeah. It was. It took like knowing, two years. Yeah. It was a lot. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 It was... And that was all under this woman's tutelage? Um, For like 10 months it was. And then um, yeah. our like group ended. Um, So, you know, eventually she wasn't around, but all the practices, like I just kept doing them. Yeah. Was there like a notebook or something that you could like revisit? We had a Facebook page, so it had like all her videos and, you know, we could always go back and access them. Awesome. Um, Okay. So then we'll move on to your other congrats because this is, it gets so exciting. Like I literally read your message and I was like, was the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so you'd always been interested in ass play. Yeah. So I literally like mentally made a note, like I need to go back and listen to the episode. Every single anal episode of How Come. Yeah. There's only like three or four, I think. That's a lot of anal. <laughs> it was, it was a lot four of hours of anal. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to the pegging episode while I was at work and I don't recommend that because the whole time I'm at work, I'm just like, now I'm horny. Like, I do want to go home yeah. and try all these things. So maybe don't do it at work. And you said that before that it had only been fingers or toys in you. Yeah. So like I'm five two and he's six three. So we have like a very mm-hmm. large difference in size. So I mm-hmm. want to work our way up to actually like him, you know, actually like penetrating me with his dick. But Mm-hmm. He's big. And so it's very much a mental block for me. Like, yeah, just his fingers. I'm like, your hands are so big. Like, I don't know how this is going to work. That's so hot. <laughs> it is hot. And I'm like, 
I like look at his hands now and I'm like, wow, like how, how do we do it? But he, you know, used his fingers first. And then I was like, actually, mm-hmm. I have a plug. It's smaller than your finger. Like, can we try that? Um, mm-hmm. So that's when we started like introducing toys. Like I have vibrators and, you know, different things. So it was just kind of like, let's see what we can get in there after a little while. But I liked in the pegging episode that, but, <laughs> but I liked in the pegging <laughs> episode that it was either Layla or the other girl. Lola. It was like anything that you do, like fingers, toys, anything is pegging. I yeah. was like, right. And then you wanted him to do more stuff to you, obviously. And you told him to listen to the episodes. Yeah. So I asked him if he had actually listened to it because I had such a crazy orgasm. I was like, he must have learned something. And he was like, no, I haven't even listened to the episode yet. So oh. how he figured it out, I really don't know. Um, but he was like, I was going to try to listen to it at work. But I thought it might be, you know, not safe for work. Like, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Maybe do it at a different time. Um, so, yeah, he was like, I haven't even listened to it. Um, I just sent him the pegging one which I think mm-hmm. maybe the title alone just kind of intimidated him because he was like, yeah, are you saying that's what you want to do? I'm like, no, but yeah, he was. I thought that he had listened to an episode two and learned, but now I think it's like more trickle down. Yeah. Like he learned from you who learned from us. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. But I mean, he's good at everything, which is almost intimidating because I'm like, I'm awkward. Ooh. I need all the information before I'm going to even like cry, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And wait, so the best orgasm ever that he gave you, was that during some sort of anal play? So um, <laughs> I quoted you once to him of just like plug up all the holes. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of just what I said. I was like, I don't really care what you use, you know, just like. Yeah. Go ahead and do, I want to be stuffed. Do as you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he actually had he used a vibrator that's like a bullet, mm-hmm. and he put that in my ass, and then he just used his hands and he was eating me out, and so it was Amazing. like all the, all the things and. You guys, I gotta go. That's a dream. <laughs> it was. It's amazing. He's like I said, he's good at everything, um, and it was just like so much sensation that I like. It didn't mm-hmm. take very long, and like I had to like push his head away because I'm like, you gotta like give me ten minutes after this. Yeah. Um, but he told me I squirted, and I didn't know. So he's like also the first person to make me squirt. Oh my god! Wow. Congrats. Just, just the best. If I don't make wait, guy, I am. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I am a wee concerned with a bullet in the ass because um, <laughs> no stopper. Yeah, yeah. So one of my plugs has like it's hollow, so you can put vibration in it. Um, uh-huh. It was just at my apartment, and we were at his. So I, uh-huh. I said it. I was like, you can use it, but you can't let go of it. Like, don't even like go. Okay, in. perfect. Yeah. So okay. we've had that conversation. Phew. I'm like, I do not need to go to the <sighs> hospital with a yeah. object in my butt. Like an object that won't stop moving right. either. Yeah, like I you're like sitting in the off. waiting room and you're just like, mm. <laughs> fucking long drive over. Uh, get there. Yeah. Just going. No. That's like my worst nightmare. Like going to the hospital for like a sex injury. Well, yeah. no. 
I wouldn't be able to do it. I do well to just say these words to you guys. Like, I'm like so proud of all of these different things. I also I didn't even know about um, what you'd been through before this. And so it it does. It makes it more exciting because it's like you've had to get over and get past so much. And hats off to you for navigating that and figuring that out, even without therapy. Like, yeah, I'm in therapy now. And like, it certainly comes up. I actually recommended yeah. the podcast to my therapist because she was like, wait, how did you do this? And I was so I told her and she was like, that's a funny title. Oh, my God. Yeah. But it tells you what it's about, doesn't it? Like, yeah. it yeah. Yeah. So she. Oh, my God. That's yeah. so cute. Yeah. It's like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> yeah. The aorgasmic <laughs> leading the aorgasmic, really. Yeah. Legit. But um, I'm so glad like it. It works now you know like mm-hmm. going from no sensation at all like I every time I went to the gynecologist they'd be like this is gonna hurt and I'm like nope like I don't, really don't even know yeah. that you're doing anything to me so like going from that to like I can squirt now and like I do it yeah. almost every time we have sex like yeah just a plus like I it's amazing That's so dope <laughs> I'm obsessed I'm so proud of you yeah. I worked really hard for this and now I'm like in the category of women who can have all the orgasms. So all my friends who are like, oh, it's just the clit for me. I'm like, do this, this and this. And I promise like you'll find something from penetration like it works. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, I do think in the beginning of the podcast, at least we were like very quick to dismiss penetration because of the stats that we had read. But now I'm like, okay, well, if you unlock the other parts of yourself, then like, yeah, try to introduce other stuff and then you can come in other ways. I never thought I'd have an internal orgasm. It's great. They're really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And they feel different. They really do. Like I purposely like tried to have different kinds at different points Mm -hmm. of my healing journey so I could feel Mm -hmm. the difference. And like, you know, usually there's a difference in like how wet I am at the end. So it was kind of easy to see. And I really want to get the lioness vibrator to like see what my chart would look like. You have to. (laughs) I'm like, we're going to put that everywhere and see what happens. Yeah. Wait, so I'm curious about the the totally plugged one. Did it feel more like a clitoral orgasm or did it feel like an internal or was it like something else it's something else I definitely think like there's an anal orgasm um yeah because that was like where all the sensation kind of like localized and then when Mm -hmm. I had an orgasm it was like a volcano to use kind of her terminology like it was just like everywhere like I could feel it literally in every part of my body where normally when I have like a vaginal penetrative clitoral orgasm it's like just there in you know that general region but this one I felt everywhere so I was like whoa this is so different and we have to do this again like immediately I'm like picturing you know that meme where it's like the body out in space and it's got like the head heart whatever (laughs) thing in the circles like that's what I'm picturing the plugged up orgasm as it's like you just become the universe yeah my chakra is aligned I I could see everything Mm -hmm. it was great (laughs) and was he so excited yeah, I mean, we're like two completely different personality types where I'm way more yeah. extroverted. He's super introverted. So he doesn't ever say much, but he had this like mm-hmm. grin on his face for like three hours. So I know he was just like thrilled. And I'm, yeah. I'm 
I'm sure it makes him feel great to know like he kind of has unlocked all these things for me. And like yeah. while it is a two-way street, like it's I'm sure it's like really nice for him to be like, I did that. Do you think he's as into compersion as you are? Definitely. Yeah. Like Yeah. He's told me so many times and I've only like tested him to see if he'd actually do it once. He was like, I just be happy eating you and doing nothing else. And like, there was a day when I was like, I'm super tired, but I really want to have sex with you. Like, can you just like do that? You said you would. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah. totally. Then just like, you know, started pulling my clothes Chow off. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we did end up having sex because I was like, okay, like I can't stop. Like I need, I need you to do more. Um, but he was like totally fine with stopping. Like, I think if I just let him eat me all day, he would be totally happy. So I might try that one day. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. I was going to say, do you have any, um, sex goals that you're looking forward to now? Um, I mean, I do want him to like, try to like fuck me in the ass. Um, like I said, he's yeah. just big, so <laughs> we're going to have to like work up to it. And yeah. That's that I'm glad I listened to all the episodes because I was like, let's just try it. Like, let's just try to put your dick in there. And like, that was not something anyone recommended doing. So, yeah, <laughs> I was like, OK, we'll start with some other. Maybe start first. with a few more fingers. Yeah. His <laughs> massive fucking fingers. Yeah. I mean, like his two fingers together are the size of one of my vibrators. And I'm like, uh, how? Horny. Yeah. How? <laughs> That's so hot. Honestly, you should put his hands on TikTok with like some rings on them. He would go viral. <laughs> he totally would. I didn't really, I thought it was just me. I was like, am I like, do I have a hand fetish? But according to TikTok, it's something that a lot of people no, have. No, so. it's the all of us. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. There are some times when, um, I don't know if he has these, but Ben has these veins on the back of his hands that like get oh, really plump. Yes. Yeah. And I'll push mm. them sometimes, like just because I'm like, into it yeah. and he's like what are you doing and I'm just like I'm touching your plums like <laughs> I'm a vampire I just want to touch you right. I'm a vampire I'm sorry oh my god you guys speaking of vampires I don't know if you saw this on our story but Nina Dobrev is a companion I saw it I almost sent it to you because I was like you posted like oh we're back in the top 200 I'm like this is why this, this game I think that's why. Yeah. yeah, that's what I said to Rob too. Because at first I was like, "Oh yeah, we're back! Woohoo! This must have been a really good episode about open relationships." And then the skim sent us that post, and they were like, "Hey, just thought you might want to see this." And I was like, "I do." Yeah. Um, I love that. And yeah, for the people who had didn't see this, Nino Dobrev from The Vampire Diaries, which I still haven't watched, but now I will. So good. So good. Yeah, I just like. I gave. Can I be before. that horny? Like all the time. I don't know. But um, she did an interview with the skim and the skim asked her a few of her favorite things. And one of them was her favorite podcast. And she said us. I loved it. Exciting. I was like, that means she has good orgasms. Great for her. Like, yeah. <laughs> now I'm just like, hey, can you join the Facebook group so we can get this a little bit more popping? Yeah. Facebook's just uh, the worst social media. It's dying. It is. Yeah. I will never call it meta. Our- never. No, join our Discord, Nina. Yeah. Um, I'm just so proud of you. I'm like so happy for you. I'm so grateful that you could share all of this with us and so happy we could be part of your journey. Yes, it's so exciting. I feel like there's people that I can talk to about it who it's like not weird. Like 
some of my girlfriends, they're all married. And so they'll sometimes talk about it, but they're like way more private about their sex lives now. Um, I get it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I want to tell you guys all the things, but none of you guys want to talk about it. So I feel like I just kind of like yeah. have a one way conversation with you every time I listen to a podcast episode. So that's nice. Aww, I mean, you can have them with me. You can always DM me. But yeah, you guys join the Discord. Tell yeah, other stories to, to each other. Yeah. We actually have some really hot borderline porn in the Discord. So yeah, I feel like highly recommend all of these stories are borderline porn, but it is what it is. They are. And um, thank you again for sharing all these stories. Thank you for having me. Of course. Rachel, I just have to ask you this question. You know, it's coming. Um, we've had a very sexual time just now. <laughs> Uh, I have to know, did you finish? Oh, yeah. I definitely squirted. So thank you for that. Nice. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for coming. Did you finish? Ah, you know I did. (laughs) Yes, he asked. Multiples. I actually have my lioness down here and it's logging (laughs) all the data. So is the graph. Um, But yeah, thank you again for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. It was so nice meeting you guys. Have the best day. You too. Bye. How amazing is she? How amazing are those stories? There are even more. Like I said, on patreon.com slash how come we talked to Rachel for way longer. We cut out a lot um, from her, from me. And uh, if you want those extras, head over. Like I said, also warning, warning, danger, danger for this next part. Um, If anybody has like sound sensitivity or like a misophonia, you might not want to listen to the ADHD part just because my sound from my Zoom recorder is like very buzzy. Um, If that is the case, like try it out at first and it might be fine. I might just be being really picky and crazy. But if um, it does bother you and you still want to hear the episode, go to patreon.com slash how come and you can listen to it with the sound from the computer, which I don't like to use, but you do see video. So that's an option, patreon.com slash how come. And there's so much cut out of that one too. Personal things, personal things um, that if you want to get to know me better, go there. But yeah, I'm really pumped for this episode. We've been talking about ADHD for a while and being like, hmm, we should do an episode on that. And again, thank you to our companion, Hillary, for recommending a recommendation from me, Dr. Ari Tuckman. So thanks, Hillary. And if you guys have any recommendations for episodes, DM me. I love it and we'll do it. All right. Now we're going to have this interview with Dr. Ari Tuckman. I'm telling you, I think I've edited enough that the sound is okay. But if it's not, patreon.com slash how come the whole interview is there with the edited out parts and everything. And it's so ADHD. Like I literally, I edited the shit out of this recording because my brain was just going crazy during it. Um, so now like you'll be like, oh my God, it sounds so good. But like in the moment, you should just really watch the unedited version too. Both of them. Listen now, watch later. Anyway, I'm really pumped. Here we go. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Glad we could do it. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Thank you for being here. It is awesome to be here. I'm super psyched. I'm very excited to have this conversation. We're talking about ADHD and sex. Um, and you have just written this fantastic book, ADHD After Dark. Sure. We have talked about ADHD and sex so much, like just in like, oh, it, there must be something related. 
I did not read the book yet because to be fair, I have ADHD. Yeah. Just procrastinated instead. Yeah. But Robin's notes have me being like, okay, I actually have to read this thing. And <laughs> we are thrilled to talk to you. Some of our listeners, I'm sure, aren't even familiar with ADHD in general. Yeah. Um, do you want to give a little rundown of what ADHD is? Sure. <clears throat> so ADHD is mostly a genetic thing. And it it's a condition where folks with who have ADHD tend to struggle with paying attention to things that aren't super interesting with planning ahead and prioritizing. They often procrastinate, forgetful, misplaced things. So we're doing a pretty good job as a society of identifying kids with ADHD. But if you're an adult who has ADHD, unless you were diagnosed in childhood, there's a pretty good chance you weren't diagnosed in adulthood. Um, So there's a lot of folks, especially those who are kind of like 40 or above, who are now finally decades later being diagnosed. But it's not like you don't know about your ADHD or your partner's ADHD. You might just not have that as a label for or understanding for why certain things are happening. Yeah. I did listen to a bunch of podcasts that you were on and one of them um, was ADHD rewired podcast. The thing that struck me the most in that recording was that you said boring is painful for people with ADHD Yeah, in regard to life and sex as well. Yeah. So in terms of life in general, um, you know, there's lots of things that we have to do as adults in the world that are not hard, but they're boring. So like loading the dishwasher, not hard. Sorting receipts for taxes, not boring. actually cognitively that hard, but God, the yeah. boring is hard, right? So, so boring. So much of adult life is boring. So this is the challenge, especially for folks with ADHD, but again, just more so compared to everybody else, right? So not unique and different, just more. So, you know, we all have an easier time doing things that are fun and enjoyable in the moment. And it's harder to do the things that are boring now, but are good for us later. Whether that means eating kale, saving for retirement, flossing, right? Mm -hmm. Like think of all the responsible things in life. They're all boring in the moment, but good for you later. Um, Yeah. So- Folks with ADHD have a harder time. We want instant gratification. Yes, exactly. It's about now, (laughs) right? Right now. Yeah. What is more exciting? I don't know future Remy. I know right now me. Yes, exactly. That is exactly (laughs) it. Um, What are some of the effects that a late in life diagnosis can have on your sexual and platonic relationships? If you don't have ADHD as an explanation for some of the struggles that you're having, it means that you have to come up with some other explanations, or at least let's put it this way. Other people in your life have had other explanations, you know, yeah. and it can be one of those things where it's not simply, why are you doing that thing? You know, why didn't you do your homework before, or you're late for work again, or whatever, you know, the situation of the, of the moment is, it, it can become this thing of like, what is wrong with you? Right. That you didn't do your homework. What is wrong with you that you're late for work again? Haven't we talked about this? So, so it can really sort of affect how you see yourself, how you're treated by other people, how you allow yourself to then be treated by romantic partners or by friends or, or whatever. So, you know, so it can really sort of cause a lot of 
I don't know. It, it just, it affects your self-concept and how you relate to other people. Yeah. It can create a lot just of shame. Like so much uncertainty around everyone. Like there was something that you mentioned, um, out of sight, out of mind, yes. which I didn't even realize was a part of ADHD that I've always been like, oh my God, I'm so problematic that if somebody's not here, I forget about them. Yes. And it must be so hurtful to the people that are being forgotten about. Yeah. And especially for women, I'm sort of going to be a little overly simplistic in gender here, right? So obviously this doesn't apply across the board, but, you know, like, especially for girls and women, right? You know, like you guys have different expectations for each other than a bunch of knucklehead guys do for their guy friends. So like, if I forget a friend's birthday, I don't even know their birthdays and they don't expect me to, right? If you forget a girlfriend's birthday, like seriously, like you're in the doghouse, right? Like what a bitch. I can't believe Remy didn't remember my birthday. She forgot right? my birthday. I forgot Robin's birthday. <laughs> I called her. I was like, it was my birthday. Right. And I said, some of the best people in my life, I've forgotten their birthdays. Yeah. So, you know, multiply that by a million. We're throwing her a birthday show this year to make up for it. Awesome. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's even more offensive or like you were saying that people would get angry at people with ADHD because they don't really understand why you do the things you do. My mom actually bought me a book when I was younger called, you mean I'm not lazy, crazy yeah. or lazy, stupid or crazy. Yeah. Lazy, stupid or crazy. Yeah. And it's an awesome title because it really sort of, it, it just sort of nails it. Right. Because Again, mm -hmm. if ADHD is not on your list of possible explanations, then those are the kinds of things that you're left over with, right? So yeah. So we infer intentions and character based on the on actions, right? Like I don't know who you are inside, but I see what you do and I make guesses about who you are based on what I see. So if you forget to text me back, if you tend to show up late, if you, you know, don't remember things I tell you right. or you interrupt when I'm talking. Right. Ooh. Like I'm going to start making yeah. some assumptions and let's be honest. It's not like that. Remy's so awesome. I love her. Right. It's more like, no, <laughs> so selfish. She only cares about herself. Right. Like, and again, multiply that by a million. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, like if you keep being told these things, it's easy to begin to internalize it and yeah. to then sort of play that role or at least accept kind of shitty behavior in response to it. Cause you're like, well, yeah, I guess that's my sort of lot in life here. Yeah. And if you feel like you might have ADHD, go find out, go get a test. Yeah. Um, sometimes you do. And sometimes you're just more impulsive. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this book that you've written is about one partner with ADHD, one without. So let me actually start by saying that, mm -hmm. you know, what we're talking about here is couples with one partner with ADHD and probably one partner without, right? But mm -hmm. really what we're talking about here is the universal lessons that apply to all couples. So even if you don't have ADHD, your partner doesn't have it. ADHD doesn't invent new problems. It just exacerbates the universal problems and struggles of every couple, right? Right. What inspired you to write it? You know, I started, I've been a psychologist for like 20 years or something. And initially I started mm -hmm. out just doing the standard like individual therapy stuff of like clients with ADHD, helping them manage their things better and be a bit more resilient in their mindset and all that. But, mm -hmm. you know, obviously people don't exist as individuals in the world, right? Like we're social creatures. Yeah. We couple up, we seek others. And you know, how does ADHD play out in their relationship? Because that's a big part of what makes us who we are. It's a big part of the sort of happiness and satisfaction we draw. Um, so 
it just sort of became like the next step, you know, to say couples are, you know, looking at how ADHD impacts a couple, but also how it impacts their sex life, because, you know, the satisfaction you have in your sex life overlaps quite a bit with the satisfaction you have in your relationship overall. And Mm -hmm. I sort of felt that like, as therapists, we were not, we're kind of ignoring this important part of these clients' lives and this important kind of lever that we can pull, so to speak, to create more satisfaction in the relationship overall. Totally. And to help, you know, these couples do better with other things, right? Because if you're feeling connected sexually, if you're enjoying each other in that way, mm-hmm. it's easier to deal with just sort of the daily bullshit of life of like, oh, you didn't load the dishwasher again. Yeah. Right. But like, if you're feeling good with each other, you could just be like, come on, just you know, do the stupid dishwasher, right? And if you're not feeling good with each other, then you're like, oh, again, I got to be the one to do it, rah, 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 right? And then you become even more disconnected. Right. So, so sex is important. Yeah. And just acknowledging that ADHD can pervade your relationships and does. Um, I don't usually think of it as something that has to do with other people. I think of it as like a really inward thing that I'm like, okay, I'm late. I procrastinate. I lose stuff. But now looking at it through this lens, it's like, no, I do have blowups in relationships, whether it's romantic or like a friend or familial. And so that it's not a way to be like, oh, okay, like that's why I do that. Like, I'll just push that aside. It's like, how do I acknowledge that I'm doing that, work with that, and then help the other people who are in my life work with that too? Yeah. And it's one of those things that it it, it really goes both ways. Mm-hmm. So if we just take kind of one of the things you said, the, the being late. I'm actually never late. I'm always on time, but I get ready really late. Right. Okay. <laughs> so it, it's the stress of, oh my God, are it's you going to be it's ready? It's the last minute. Yeah. yeah. So it works. It works in the sense that you get places on time, but the angst of mm-hmm. it is harder. Mm-hmm. Probably also more things get left behind because scrambling and rushing is a good way to forget things. Um, yeah. But, you know, so like if we just take that as kind of a thing that you do, if you're a single person and it's just you, then that's just your problem. But I can yeah. imagine, you know, a romantic partner, especially if the two of you live together, might be might, I don't know, let's just say, feel like they're impacted by that as well, right? A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, so there's like good ways to respond and there's less good ways to respond, you know, from your partner, right, to that. So this is where the couple's dynamic begins to show up is, you know, does your partner recognize, you know what, this isn't my problem. Remy's going to figure this out or she won't. I will Mm -hmm. be helpful in some ways if I want to and can. And in other ways, I'm going to recognize, okay, I'm not getting involved. And clearly yelling and, and, you know, being crappy about it isn't going to make it better. So taking out my anxiety on her isn't going to help, right? So, or, or they do, right? Like that they do start getting controlling and they're like, we have to leave. You have to start getting ready. Why aren't you getting ready? This isn't fair, blah, 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 right? And then, so like there's better ways and there's worse ways to handle it. So what starts out as a one person thing in a relationship very quickly becomes a two person thing. Yeah, Ben and I did have a fight one day because there was like a last minute scramble mm-hmm. 
to do a recording or whatever. And I couldn't find my mics and I couldn't find my, this was a few months ago. Uh And I started kind of like freaking out at him and the fact that like our room was messy or whatever. And he was like, okay, okay, but like, why didn't you prepare for, why didn't we do this like an hour ago? Right. You know, and then it did become a blow up. And I think that that does translate into sex as well, because there will be a lot of times that I'm just thinking to myself, oh, I wish things were like this, or I think uh, he, he should do this or whatever. And instead of saying it in a very calm way, I'll just be like, you never or something like that. Right. This is exactly it. So like, if you guys have this, this kind of stressful encounter about, you know, getting ready for the recording or whatever the thing is, right? Like, I don't know. Do you really want to have sex with a guy who you think act like an asshole an hour ago? No. Right? Like, no, obviously. Right. And probably he doesn't want to have sex with you either. Right. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so like this is how it begins to show up. Yeah. And it then it kind of creates this thing where rather than working well together and feeling like you're on the same team, you become more disconnected. And then you become disgruntled about the fact yeah. that you're not connecting, you're not having sex. So, you know, where it's on the flip side of it, if you're continuing to have good kind of connection, sexual and otherwise, but you're kind of enjoying each other, you're having fun, you're, you know, whatever, it's easier then to deal with this sort of like just the bullshit of life, you know, 100%. Like it, just, it goes yeah. a little bit better um, when those moments come up. Yeah. Folks with ADHD are very much driven by the deadline, right? Yeah. So like, I should get ready for that recording in six hours. Eh, mm-hmm. oh my God. Now, like in 20 seconds, right? Now it's mm-hmm. interesting, right? So mm-hmm. so I sort of have this joke that um, ADHD can often cause anxiety, but just not necessarily in the person who has ADHD, right? So Yeah, yeah. So your mom, your teacher, your roommate, your romantic partner, um, yeah. you know, who's like, ah, why aren't you doing that yet? And you're like, yes. I've got plenty of time. What are you talking about? And they're like, no, I'm freaking out here, right? And then, yes. you know, the judgment and the criticism follows, right? So that's where things really kind of go off the rails on the relationship. And, you know, like if if it really sort of goes goes off the rails, then you get into that kind of parent-child dynamic, which like, let's face it, not sexy, right? Nobody wants to have sex with someone who acts like their parent or their kid. Mm-hmm. Unless that's their kink. <laughs> right. And if so, knock yourself out. But for most of everybody yeah. else, not so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then that leads to the blow ups and stuff. And it's it's also I think the partner is looking at you being like, I want to prevent you from having that stress later. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying, like, do it now. Like, you know, just get stuff done. Yeah. And the thing of it is not to be too like whatever, but yes, they are looking out for your interest of I'm trying to spare you the misery of freaking out mm-hmm. the last minute. But also some of it is I'm trying to spare me the misery mm. of you freaking out because when you freak out, totally. then I freak. Yeah. That stresses me out. So yeah. please don't do the thing that stresses me out, which is to some extent a fair request. But also there is another option there, which is, you know what? I'm not going to freak out about you freaking out, right? Like I'm going to find a way that Mm -hmm. I'm going to be okay. This is for you to figure out. I'm not your boss. I'm not your mom. Like you do what you do. I'll be helpful. I'm definitely not going to be obstructionistic. I'm definitely not going to hold it against you, but also I'm not going to take undue responsibility for it. Yeah. And there was something you mentioned before that is like, you don't want to have sex with the people that you're pissed at. Yeah. You mentioned sexual satisfaction and relationship satisfaction overlap by two thirds. Yep. 
So if you're not satisfied in your relationship, you're obviously not going to be satisfied in your sex life. And vice versa. Okay. That if you're not satisfied in your sex life, that's probably mm. going to cast a shadow on your overall relationship satisfaction. But also mm-hmm. when you are feeling good in terms of like when you're happy with your shared sex life, whatever it is that that entails, um, that's going to cast a positive glow upon the rest of your relationship, right? So what it means is if you want a better sex life, you also need to work on your relationship. If you want a better relationship, you also have to work on your sex life, right? Like they're both Mm -hmm. important. Both of them are kind of good points of intervention where you can kind of have a positive effect. Yeah. There was also something that you'd said that was people with ADHD are more sexually eager. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. I'm always the one initiating. I'm always the hornier one. Mm. And apparently that is not uncommon. Yes. So, yeah. So before I wrote the book, ADHD After Dark, um, nobody will be shocked to hear there was like no research on ADHD and sexuality. Insane. Yeah. I mean, don't. yeah, whatever. Don't get me started. But in order to write the book, I did a bunch of research of my own where I sort of put out this survey and I got like 3,000, more than 3,000 people in um, relationships with one ADHD partner to kind of respond to way too mm-hmm. many questions that I asked, but they they did it. And one of the things that came out that I didn't predict, but I'm in no way surprised afterwards, like, oh, sure, of course, is that the folks with ADHD rated themselves higher on 10 out of 12 questions that somehow or other had to do with sexual eagerness. And then they tied mm-hmm. on the other two. So in this case, I was comparing men with ADHD versus men without women with ADHD uh-huh. versus women without. So it wasn't even mixing up the genders because that has its own effect. But the folks with no ADHD- No non-binary or trans folks in this study, right? You know, unfortunately, I, yeah, I mean, I was sort of limited to sort of, I did leave, I Sample did size. ask about same-sex couples and stuff like that. I didn't get enough yeah. respondents, so I couldn't really analyze the data on that. But- you know, when there's no research at all, you start with the biggest groups and then you sort of right. like narrow down from there. But maybe to come. Yes, exactly. Right. Like, you, you know, you set it up for for what's to follow. But but mm-hmm. the folks with ADHD rated themselves higher on things like desired sexual frequency, um, frequency mm-hmm. of masturbation, how often they look at porn, how quickly they become aroused. Um, Mm -hmm. stuff like, you know, how kinky they rated themselves, um, interest Mm -hmm. in consensual non-monogamy, history of consensual Mm -hmm. non-monogamy, like all these things. And it totally makes sense because let's face it, sex is pretty interesting, right? Like it's in the moment, right? You're going to want to write that (laughs) down. You guys probably don't know that sex is interesting. It's fun. Um, (laughs) so, so it makes sense that folks with ADHD can very much tap into that sort of pleasure of the moment and are more mm-hmm. sort of, I don't know, influenced by the desire for it, I think. So mm. on the one hand, that can be problematic if you're sort of impulsively having sex with people who, you know, probably you shouldn't be, or, you know, kind of looking at porn maybe at work or something like that, right? So you can certainly get yourselves into trouble with it. But if we're talking yeah. about a long-term relationship, right? Somebody's got to keep the flame alive, right? Somebody's got to say like, hey, we need to be having sex more often. And if it's mm-hmm. not one partner, it's got to be the other. And like that person who has a higher sex drive can really bring a good thing to the relationship if the couple can manage to, to kind of work it well, so to speak. 
There was another part <clears throat> where in the study you had mentioned that women with ADHD masturbate constantly. I don't think I said constantly, but 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 I, I think I wrote this note. <laughs> <laughs> it's like way more often than anybody else. Um, so actually, it was the guys with ADHD who masturbated the most. Guys th- then followed by guys without, but women okay. with ADHD masturbated more so than women without ADHD. Okay. So, you know, like masturbation is a good thing, right? If your partner is not around and, you know, you feel like yeah. doing something, do it. If your partner's not interested, fine. Like don't Shanghai them into something they don't want, right? So like, that's fine. Like, you know, take care of yourself by yourself. You know, where it potentially becomes problematic is when sort of solo activities are being used as a replace in a sort of resentful, unhappy avoidant replacement for doing things together or addressing the reasons why you're not doing things together. Yeah. I think masturbation, it makes sense that it would be so high or higher in people with ADHD because like it is a procrastination technique sometimes. It is. And like a way to self-soothe. Yeah. And let's face it, probably masturbating is way more fun than every other responsible thing you need to do. Right. hundred percent. So a thousand percent. Yeah, exactly. So how does the person with ADHD, how can they manage that? So it's easier for them and their partner. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually going to broaden the question. How can both people manage it? Yeah. ADHD is obviously a thing that one person has, but we bring ourselves in all ways to our relationships. So both people have a part to play. And I think first what I recommend is really understanding it for both partners to educate themselves about what it means, how it shows up Mm -hmm. in their life to be able to say like, Oh, that too. Oh, okay. Got it. Mm -hmm. Um, To understand how the one person who has ADHD, how their actions or inactions, how they affect the other person and how the partner then responds back and how the person with ADHD responds back to that. Right. So to see the, the dynamic that develops between the two of you and to see that it's a two-way street, not a one-way street. Mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent of medication for ADHD for those folks who need it. Um, not everybody necessarily does, but generally speaking, the stimulants for ADHD work quite well. They're not addictive. Um, and you know they just help you kind of, I, I said, they close the gap between intentions and actions. They help you just be a bit more consistent in what it is that you need to do. Do they steal your sparkle? That's what a lot of people on TikTok are worried about. So the answer is they can, but they shouldn't, right? So if they steal your sparkle, then you should talk to your prescriber, right? Because probably the dose is a bit too high Maybe it means it's not exact. It's just not the right medication. Maybe another one is going to work a bit better without stealing the sparkle. So, so it should your personality sparkle. Yeah, exactly. but I will ask about sex drive as well, like because we know SSRIs can yes inhibit your sex drive. Do ADHD medications? They do not. So SSRIs okay. are notorious, you know, libido killers, but the stimulants don't. Now, what they might do is give you a bit more ability to pause and say, well, as much as I feel like rubbing one out, I think I'm going to actually get a couple things done and then I'll fool around with yeah. my partner tonight, right? Like, but that yeah. doesn't steal your sex drive. It just helps you sort of, I don't know, make some different choices about what to do with it. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, but in this, uh, in the uh, you know survey I did, I actually asked about that. Do you find that stimulant medication has a positive or negative effect? 
And most on your sexual activities, most people said it doesn't really have any effect at all. And then there was sort of a smattering of people who said varying degrees of positive effect and a smattering who said varying degrees of negative effect. So it's basically like proof is in the pudding. Whatever it does for you, if it's helpful to have some stimulant in your system before you're fooling around, then do it. If it's not helpful, Mm -hmm. then don't. And if it doesn't matter, then don't concern yourself with it. There, I was on a stimulant in college that it didn't just steal my sparkle. It made me like quite snippy Mm. at people. And I thought I was like, oh, it's just working. But I think that's an indication that it's not working so well. Yeah, I think snippy is not really a desired effect. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's sort of hard because sometimes like you don't know what success is supposed to look like, right? Like if the medication is helping, how do I know what it looks like? So, you know, so I think it, it takes a bit of, it sometimes takes a bit of, you know, work to figure out exactly what the right thing is. But, you know, often I find that people tend to be on too low of a dose more so than too high of a dose. Um, Mm. So they're getting some benefit, but not quite as much as they should, which is sort of the analogy I use is it's kind of like going to the eye doctor and they're like, Hey, can you read the second line on the chart? Yeah. You know, um, but not trying to get your glasses to the point you can see all seven lines, you know, like that would be nice. Mm. So, um, so if you're getting, if you're not clearly getting a benefit from it, then it's probably not working. And if so, you should probably go, go back to your prescriber and see if there's some adjustments to be made. I could study hard. I was just an asshole. Yeah. I wasn't willing to make that trade. Yeah. No, that's, that's a bad trade. It's a bad trade. Yeah. Is there a link between ADHD and attachment styles? Not that I know of. It doesn't mean there isn't. There, I don't know that there's been research on it, but you could certainly see that there might be, right? Mm-hmm. So I would think a lot of us are a little anxious or insecure at least. Yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense. So we kind of touched on this before, but as the non-ADHD partner, how important is it to acknowledge the issues that ADHD is causing in your partner and how can you support your partner through treatment? I do think it's important. I mean, I think again, like for any, any relationship, whatever it is, right. It's important to know ourselves, to know our partner, to find ways to work well together. But I think it's important in this is if your partner has ADHD, you reading a book or listening to a podcast, or I don't know, going to the, you know, prescriber's appointment, you are not doing your partner a favor, here, honey, I'm doing this for you, right? You're doing yourself a favor because Mm. you will be better off. You will get more of what you want in the relationship and from your partner if you know like how to work well with them, which is kind of true, again, for every relationship. So reading a book or listening to a podcast is the bare minimum. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But just to get back to the sex thing. So one of the questions that Robin had here, and I think it's very interesting and very good, is how do you stop yourself from blurting out random things during sex and potentially ruining the moment? <laughs> right. Well, let me take the counter position. Do you have to stop blurting out, right? Mm. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's just like, look, this is who I am. This is your package deal. I'm going to blurt out all sorts of stuff. You don't have to love all of it, but but I think there's something to be said for and again, this is sort of universal of kind of recognizing like, this is not a, if I'm on the receiving end of it, I don't have to take it personally. Right. So like, yeah, if you're blurting stuff out, it's just like uh, that. Yeah. Not, not helping for me either. I might say like, okay, whatever, like knock yourself out. I'm just going to let those go by. 
Or maybe there's a conversation to be had perhaps outside of bed of like, yeah, you know, these things, they don't actually really kind of help me that much um, or help me understand why it's interesting to you. But it's something about like not sort of freaking out over what your partner does and to sort of maybe yeah. to know like, is this a thing I have to take seriously or is this not a thing I have to take seriously? Yeah. What about um, teaching teens about sex? Yes. Like, is there a difference in teaching sex to people with ADHD? Sort of no. In the teaching, no. But okay. folks with ADHD tend to be more impulsive, as we've said. And basically impulsivity, you can sort of think of it as kind of, it's like leaping without looking. It's doing or saying something without pausing to think about the future consequences. Constantly. Yeah. Right. So that, <laughs> that could be like blurting things out or interrupting. It could be spending money. It could be quitting a job. Um, but if you're a teenager, it could also be acting impulsively in the moment in some sort of a sexual situation. So yeah. hooking up with someone you didn't want to, yeah. having unprotected sex because you didn't plan to bring yeah. a condom. Um we're kind of going with it anyway. Um, certainly, you know, we know that teens and adults with ADHD are more likely to kind of drink a bit more, right? Nobody's smarter after they've been drinking. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's a bit of a double whammy. So I think it, it's it's not necessarily just about teaching teens with ADHD more stuff about sex, but it's also about managing the circumstances so they're not in situations where they can be impulsive if that's going to get them into trouble. In a preventive way to minimize some of the potential impacts, so stuff like, you know, if you know that you might be impulsive sexually or you're a teen, obviously, like, make sure you're on birth control, so at least we take that part out of it you know, make sure you get like the HPV vaccine, you know, like things like that. But, <clears throat> but I think otherwise, when it comes to managing impulsivity, you know, it, it's much easier to manage the environment than it is to manage our choices in, in the, the environment, right? So if it comes to, you know, like, if you know, you tend to be impulsive sexually in some, in some settings more than others. So certain kinds of bars or after I've had three beers or these kinds of people or that person specifically, right? Like the place to make a better choice is not when you're four beers in at the bar with that person that you've been sort of kind of hitting on, but you're like, ugh, trouble, like run away, don't do it, right? Like in that heat of the moment is not the time to say thanks, but no thanks. I choose not to, right? The, the time to make a better decision is I'm not putting myself into that situation in the first place. Or if I go, I'm going with a friend and I'm telling my friend, if I'm hitting on that shitty guy who you know I need to like pull me away, like, you know, tranquilize mm -hmm. me and drag me away. Like, don't let me do something stupid. Um, so, so it's making those better choices far away, not in the heat of the moment. It's so funny because I, I went to a party with a friend of mine and she had said, okay, here's our, we're going to have a safe word for the party. Just so like, nice. if we want to leave, like for anxiety's sake. Mm -hmm. Um, but it ended up being a party where something happened to me that I didn't really like very much. And, uh, I was like string cheese, string cheese. And yeah. we got out of there, um, which was great, but it, it would have been great if I had string cheesed before the thing. Yes. But I think the, I think the, the good lesson in this is you had a good plan, right? Like there is, that was a good thing that you guys set up, right? So you're halfway there or three quarters of the way there, 
right? The other piece of it is is now the wisdom, and unfortunately, wisdom sometimes comes the hard way. Yeah, of recognizing, you know what. I'm pulling the string cheese trigger a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm not going to sort of fool myself into thinking, oh, this is fine. You know, it's like, no, it's not. It's not fine. Um, yeah. So, you know, so that that's kind of some of it as well. And to sort of, I don't know, cut yourself a bit of slack, right? It's easy afterwards to know what you should have done. It's a lot harder yeah. to know what beforehand. So don't add yeah. insult to injury by beating yourself up. No, of course not. And then just in regard to impulsivity, uh, you mentioned that people with ADHD are more inclined to ask for or want or engage in ethically non-monogamous relationships. Mm-hmm. That just makes sense to me because it's like, we need more <laughs> stimulation. We yeah. need more people. We need more attention. But um, does that translate into um, non-consensual infidelity? Indeed it does. Okay. So yeah, um, you know, so I asked in the survey, I asked two different questions. One was, you know, a history of having engaged in kind of physical hookups or it's mostly sexual, but not necessarily romantic. So I think kind of drunken night of the dark kind of thing. Um, and then I also asked about kind of emotional affairs that might or might not have involved the physical component, because I think that those are I think they're both infidelities, but they're not the same thing. They're different in how they happen. They're different in sometimes in terms of the consequences, in terms of how people feel about it. Some people might feel more strongly about one than the other. So, but I I don't know. I just think the dynamics going into it, they're different circumstances. Um, Because if you're drunk and stupid one time, that's different than having a six month ongoing affair with you know, frequent hiding from your partner and it's a different thing. But yeah, I mean, folks with ADHD were more likely to to engage in both kinds of infidelity. And we can sort of understand some reasons why. I mean, for what it's worth, infidelity is much more common than many people think and certainly more common than most people would want. So, um, so there's, I don't know, that's like its own big, big discussion. Um, But I think that, you know, again, it's that thing of addressing problems earlier. It's a thing of not putting yourself into situations that are potentially problematic. You know, the work that you kind of got the hots for, you know, it's easy to say like, oh, well, we're just having lunch. It's fine. You know, like, uh, I yeah. think I'm not going to have lunch with them. Like, I see trouble coming. So, um, so kind of being able to recognize when it is that you need to walk away kind of earlier rather than talking yourself into believing that it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, you said people with ADHD are more likely to have RSD, mm. rejection sensitive dysphoria. Um, how can we better create an environment for our ADHD partner or for ourselves as the ADHD partner um, to bring up things that we want to try with our partner or issues that we're feeling in the relationship? Yes. So, so RSD or rejection sensitive dysphoria is this thing that it's a sort of in the moment, it, it, it basically is what it sounds like, right? That, um, so mm-hmm. dysphoria means kind of a negative emotion, negative feeling. So that in the face of perceived rejection, having this really strong emotional reaction to it. And I think some of it is kind of neurological, so to speak, that folks with ADHD sort of feel their feelings a little bit more intensely in the moment. Um, some of it maybe is also related to the kind of history of kind of, as we said before, being a lot more on the receiving end of rejection and criticism and judgment. So 
Hmm. In this moment, it feels bigger because there's all it's loaded up with all that history. If you've been called lazy, crazy and stupid your whole life, you're going to feel lazy, crazy and stupid and rejected for sure. those things. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's not entirely a misreading of the situation, sadly. So, um, yeah. but, you know, it, it really sort of highlights, again, the universal, which is what makes a relationship interesting and rewarding and rich is is that sort of vulnerability it's the disclosure it's the connection if you only keep it on the things that you know you both agree on then it gets boring right like um or to steal a line from somebody else right nobody ever fantasizes about missionary position sex with their partner with the lights on yeah right you don't fantasize for what you got you fantasize about what you don't have right and mm-hmm. um so especially when it comes to sexuality, there's so much judgment and there's so much kind of angst and anxiety that can get sort of attached to it. So you want to be able to be honest and say, hey, here's a thing that I'm thinking of, or what do you think about this? Or I would be interested in that, right? You want to be able to put stuff out there. Um, but to do that risks that your partner is not going to be cool with it. Now, hopefully your partner is like, um, I hear what you're saying, but yeah, I don't like not so much, right? As opposed to, oh my God, really? How could you want that? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with us? I couldn't do that. You couldn't do it, right? And so if your partner has a bad reaction, it's really hard to hold your own head on and not react badly to that. So that is the trick, right? Is to sort of present it well, to hold your head on even when your partner doesn't, if you're on the receiving end, to not freak out and make big assumptions about what it means before you ask about what it means. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, but that, that's the price of admission. If you want a good relationship and a good sex life, don't make assumptions. So like, you know, in terms of opening up or, or whatever, right? Like it would be easy for whoever, right. To let their insecurities run away. Oh, you want to have sex with other people because I'm not enough for you. I'm not good enough. Right. Right. And if that's where whoever goes, they're going to freak out and it mm-hmm. will not go well. So, so I think it is important to ask why of like, you know, well, what is it about that that's interesting to you? Why do you want to try this? What are your concerns about it? How would we do it? None of asking those questions, none of them assume or um, involve agreeing. Right. Like we're not agreeing till we understand it. So first we got to understand, like, why do you want to do it? What do you want to do? What does it mean? What does it not mean? What are you expecting of me? Right. So like you got to understand the situation before you make any decisions about it. And then vice versa for you in terms of understanding where they're at, Um, all of which is really easy to say. But obviously in the moment, it's hard to kind of keep our heads on. Yeah. What you guys decide doesn't matter as much as why you get there, right? Like, are you making the decision for the right reasons, whatever that means, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, relationships look all sorts of different ways and they evolve over the years and the decades. But, you know, the important thing is that the two of you are kind of coming to decisions together that you can both feel okay about. Always important to come together, you guys. Remember that. Indeed. Sort of piggybacking on the one that we just had. If you find that you, when like your partner brings up something to you, if you find that you don't take criticism very well and you don't necessarily respond to someone being like, oh, maybe we should try something different. And you're automatically like, oh my God, I did the wrong thing. How can you like work as yourself 
to take on that feedback better and not automatically kick into defense mode and be like, no, you said the wrong thing. So I think there's definitely something to be said for educating your partner on this is the best way to approach me, you know, or alternatively, don't approach me like that, right? So often it's sort of, it's the delivery that gets us into trouble. So knowing how to read your partner, knowing how to sort of present stuff, maybe even saying, so I want to be able, I want to talk about something and, you know, might be, I don't know, like this might kind of be a bit upsetting, but I just want to kind of reassure you, whatever, whatever, like I'm totally into you or, you know, I love having sex with you. I'm not looking for a replacement um, or whatever. Right. So that is sort of like cut them off of the past, right. Kind of get ahead of any potential problems. Um, and then from there to sort of present it. So, so the balance here is you don't want to sort of hold yourself back so much that you feel like you're kind of stifled in the relationship, but you also don't want to like bowl your partner over either. Right. So it's kind of finding that place in the middle. And sometimes, I don't know, like we just got to kind of be okay with our partner not being okay for a little bit. Right. But sort of having faith in them that they'll sort of get their head back on and then we'll come back and we'll talk some more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these are just things that I have been working on lately and which I thought I was treating just depression. And it turns out I've been kind of treating my ADHD as well. Mm-hmm. But how does a good night's sleep, enough food and water affect our sex drive, if at all? Yes, this is definitely I spend so much time pestering clients about the boring. I call it the New Year's resolution stuff, sleep, mm-hmm. diet and exercise. And let's throw in mindfulness and relaxation in there just to like give people one more thing to have to yeah. stress about. So, um, but it does, like it absolutely does. So um, folks with ADHD often struggle with getting enough sleep for kind of a variety of reasons. But, you know, if you're tired, you're se- it, that can affect your sex drive. Like it absolutely can. And also, let's be honest, if you're tired, you're probably more grumpy to be around. So it may not affect your sex drive, but it might affect your partner's sex drive, at least in relation to doing anything with you. So um, so it getting enough sleep and eating a healthy diet and exercising won't cure your ADHD, so to speak, but it'll definitely help all of us to mm-hmm. be more of our best, yeah. right? to kind of bring our best to whatever it is that's happening. Um, so, so I think it is an important point of intervention, even though it's not a one and done kind of a thing, you know, it's just a thing that you're always sort of striving towards. Yeah. It's also just a a really easy thing that you can tick off as like a, I did it, you know, like having three meals a day and just like not letting the day run into one blob where you're snacking and you're laying and you're snacking and you're laying like get up three times. It's really helped me, even though I love to lay. Um, it, it makes life seem like less abysmal. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like adulting 101 is like feeding yourself, um, yeah. which sometimes I think is like looked over, but it's like, it's necessary. Yeah. Well, it is. And it, it can also sort of set, I don't know, like set a structure for the day. Yeah. You know, it kind of breaks your day up a little bit and, you know, so whatever. So I think that, you know, there's sort of multiple reasons, I think, to manage that stuff well. Um, but especially if you're getting to the end of the day and you're sort of crashing out a bit, you know, because you haven't eaten enough and then you're kind of hangry. Um, so, um, and, you know, stimulant medication, one of the common side effects is that you're kind of less hungry for lunch. 
Yeah. People tend not to lose a lot of weight overall. Like, you know, whatever weight loss happens in the beginning tends to come back. But if you're less hungry for lunch, then you got to make sure you eat a decent breakfast, which grandma yeah. would tell you anyway. Um, she would. Least, she would, right? Nanny would be like, eat, day, you're so thin. Exactly. Right. So she wasn't wrong. Um, so, you know, like, but in that case, it's not truly necessarily a medication side effect per se, but it's just the fact that you're not eating well. Of course, you're going to be, you know, cranky at the end of the of the day as it wears off. Yeah. Um, and then just a final thing on scheduling, um, because you talk about scheduling sex. Uh, mm -hmm. What are the benefits of scheduling sex or intimate time with your partner? And how can you make this schedule time slot more exciting than just something that you have to put on your calendar? Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing about scheduling is anything that's scheduled is like more likely to happen. Yeah. Right. So, um, so if you put it on the schedule, especially if life is busy and it just sort of good intentions kind of slide away. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important to schedule it at a time that's reasonable to happen in the first place. Um, but there's also something about kind of using it as kind of like a target to shoot for. Like if we want to get into bed by, you know, 10 so we can fool around, what needs to happen at nine, at eight, at seven, at noon, mm -hmm. right? So that we can get there and be in a good place Stack and be happy day. with each other that we did. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, but, you know, there's also something, so like, I'm going to, Use two, I'm going to quote two people. So Ian Kerner has this great line where he Hell calls yeah. it kind of windows of willingness, mm -hmm. right? And I love that line, windows of willingness. So it's not, I'm committed to do this thing, even if I don't feel like it, but it's rather like, I'm, I'm willing to be convinced, which mm -hmm. kind of then brings us to Emily, the awesome Emily Nagoski yeah. and the whole idea of responsive desire. I don't know that like at 9.58, I'm not necessarily feeling it. But when we get into bed together at 10 and then we're talking to bed and then we're going, we're touching and we're kissing. So by 10.07, actually, yeah, now it turns out I'm into it, right? So sometimes we got to yeah. be willing to be convinced. We got to show up and have handled things well before that so that it is a thing that can happen. Yeah. This has been such a joy, Dr. Tuckman. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure people will have tons of questions for you. And I know that once I read the book, I'm going to have more questions. So we might even invite you back <laughs> if you're willing. Please do. Um, where can everybody find you online and find your book and follow your work? So best place is adultadhdbook.com. So I've got a bunch of information about ADHD in general, about ADHD relationships, ADHD and sex. Um, so that is definitely the best place to get me. Cool. Um, I have to ask you this question after a sexual experience, which this has been. Uh, Dr. Ari Tuckman, did you finish? I did. Oh, it was fantastic. great. Oh, I'm so glad. Even, I enjoyed the whole thing, start to finish. Oh, my God. Even with the lags and the problems? I did. Because, look, you have to be resilient, right? Things happen. Yes. You got you to gotta keep showing back up again. A hundred percent. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Um, and you guys, we'll see you next time on How Come. Goodbye. See you guys. It's not you, it's me I try so hard to finish honestly They say you'll know When you go all the way from A right down to O Oh no I think that I've still got a ways to go Oh oh I'm sick of this and I have got to know how come? How come? How come I can't achieve? How come I can't achieve? I'm rolling.
up my sleeves I'm rolling up my sleeves Oh baby, I believe these guests can help Cause I can't do it by myself I wanna just Oh hey, are you still here? Well, that's really cool of you. And because you stayed here, I just want to tell you something cool. If you listen to this section and you want to come to the show on December 2nd, 8 p.m. at Stand Up New York in New York City, DM me at Remy Casimir. I have five comped tickets that I want to share with companions who listen to this section and I want to see you there. So message me and I will put your name on the list. Maybe I'll even give you a plus one. Who knows? But definitely one for you if uh, they're still free. So come and get it, baby, and see you there. Bye.